By some estimates, more than 30 million people play fantasy football every year. That's an insane number. Let's put this in perspective. Football's the most popular high school sport, and about a million people play it. There's another two million that play youth football. So that means that this year, there's probably gonna be 10 times as many people actively playing fantasy football as playing actual football. So it's not surprising that fantasy football analysts are going to be just as common as plain old reality football analysts, or whatever you would call those old school weirdos. But only one gets to be the senior fantasy sports analyst for ESPN. That would be Matthew Barry. On today's show, he talks to me and Peter Martin, Popular Mechanics resident fantasy obsessive, about how sweet it is to get paid to watch football and analyze what Wikipedia calls a reality-based recreational activity. I'm Kevin Dupsick, and this is how your world works. All right, so it's two weeks to football season. Preseason started, but I'm here in the studio with Peter Martin, our deputy editor. Peter, you don't even care about the games right now. You care about something else. I certainly don't care about preseason. I do a little bit, but only for fantasy football, just in case somebody takes off and then I can have some sleeper that I'm sure everyone else knows about too, but I'll feel good about it. Um, so you got a draft coming, is uh, what you're saying. I have a draft on Sunday and then another one Tuesday before football season. Yeah. Um, so for today's episode, we're going to interview Matthew Barry, ESPN's uh, senior fantasy sports analyst. Um, but I don't play fantasy football, and weirdly enough, my first ever piece of published <laughs> writing was a fantasy column um, with a friend when I was in high school, because I did play fantasy sports, and we were really into it. But now I couldn't tell you who the starting quarterback is for probably 10 teams. Really? So, well, I think you could. Uh, let's try. Well, you know the famous ones. Yeah, I mean, like Tom Brady. Eli Manning, no Joe Flacco. And it's going to get harder for that. Andrew Luck. Maybe I can do 10. You're at four. That was four. You're killing it. Uh, no, see, now I'm going to run out. <laughs> All right. So, But you, ha- you have a little fantasy analyst in your background, so, I have, so this so is there's, your day. So there's fantasy analyst analyzm, there's, fa- <laughs> there's a fantasy analyst in here somewhere, but my knowledge has really slipped. And when we talked to Matthew Barry. I was hoping you could give me like the Cliff's Notes on fantasy before we jump into this conversation. Yeah, let's do it. I've had friends where this has come up who obviously don't play fantasy football, and they're like, wait, but aren't the points just the points in the game? But it doesn't work like that. So you draft players, but then you get points based off of their stats. It's not like the score of the real game has no bearing on your fantasy Nothing score. Nothing at all. Um, but yeah, you just you get points based on rushing yards. You get one point for every 10 yards of rushing, one point for every 10 yards of receiving. Quarterbacks get a point for every 25 yards of passing, and then touchdowns are four for quarterbacks, six for for running backs or receivers. Um, it just makes every game interesting all the time because generally you either have somebody that you're really pulling for or really hoping yeah. does not do anything or drops the ball four or five times. <laughs> um, it makes it much when that way when you go over to some guy who's a fan of Jacksonville, you can watch that game. If you're over at his house having a drink yeah. on Sunday, you can actually watch the Jacksonville game and not hate yourself. Wasn't there like a running back a few years ago who like at the end of a game when his team was winning, instead of scoring a touchdown, he like took a dive on the one-yard line just to keep the clock running. But then I think everybody was... in fantasy who had him was angry. <laughs> I think it was Maurice Jones-Drew. Somebody definitely did that, yeah. though, because it's better for the team. And then last year, there was a guy, Donnelly, the tight end for the Giants, who had a crazy game, scored maybe three touchdowns, had himself on his fantasy team, but benched himself because he'd never started, never got <laughs> any points. And uh, so he regretted that. But that was pretty great when he came out and was annoyed that he hadn't started himself in the game that he went off in. So when we talked to Matthew Barry, I mean, he puts out his picks on like what players to watch like on a weekly basis. Um, is everybody kind of playing with the same scoring system so that like you and you know, if I were in a league this year and kind of everybody else, like we all sort of have this interest in the same rankings of wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks, or does it depend on like what league you're in? 
In the biggest distinction, there's a PPR league and there's standard leagues. In PPR, you get a point per reception or a half point or something, but you get some yeah. form of a point every time that your player catches the ball. Um, but yeah, those all the PPR rankings shift from a little bit from the standard rankings, but for the most part, it's all the same for yeah. everybody. Do you use a lot of like nerdy acronyms when you talk about fantasy? <laughs> Probably more than I'm aware of. Um, but I got Larry Donnell's name wrong a second ago. It's not Donnelly. <laughs> so it's the second slight. He didn't start himself, and then I forgot his name. Um, yeah, but it's fun. Everyone should do it. It's great. All right, let's get and put money on it. If you don't put money on it, it's not fun at all. Oh, it's got to have money. Well, just uh, somebody has to win money at the end of the year. You put ten bucks in, fifty bucks. It, it, you're getting four months worth of joy out of it. And if you win, then you get a few hundred bucks at the end of the year. Okay. All right, let's get Matthew Barry on here. Hello? Hi, this is Matthew Barry. Hey, Matthew. This is Kevin Dupsick. I also have uh, Peter Martin, who's our deputy editor and also the resident fantasy <laughs> fantasy football slash Matthew Barry fanboy. Exactly. Hey, right. Matthew. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for making time to do this. Um, we appreciate it. You know you got a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, no problem. And you just posted a new story, so I'm sure you've had a busy morning. It has been. I've been doing some, <laughs> and I've done a podcast, and I just did a radio interview, so um, uh, yeah. Uh, Matthew, we're just really curious about what life is like when you get to spend it all thinking about fantasy football. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tweeted this out on uh, the 4th of July, and I said, truly blessed to live in a country where I can make a living wearing makeup and talking about fake football on TV. <laughs> that really isn't bad. Um, I mean, it, but it really is that, right? I, I mean, so, listen, I, it's a job. It's, there's a lot of research involved, and I feel like I have a term paper due every day of my life, <laughs> uh, you know, at least once a week, right? But, I mean, you know, it's, as far as jobs go, I'm, I'm very blessed and lucky. So it's, you know, it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm getting paid to do what I would do normally anyway. Yeah, I should actually also add that Peter Martin, he's, he's the biggest fantasy football guy in our office I think and, and he's kind of just talked about wanting to trade jobs with you I don't know if you're open to that or not I don't know that I'm qualified I just am interested but I'm sure you hear I that I don't know what your job entails or what it pays <laughs> those, those are two things that would be crucial before making any trade you know this as a fantasy player it's always important to get all the information and understand the scoring and the rules before you can evaluate an opportunity <laughs> that's so. fair I mean I will say without our editor-in-chief in here there is plenty of time for fantasy research during the day Nice. Perfect. Even better. um, So, you know, one thing I want to kind of start off asking you, uh, you've been doing fantasy for a long time. And uh, my understanding is that, or I mean, it just sort of seems like back in the day, fantasy was probably a lot harder when you didn't have, you know, something like an ESPN app or, you know, a a sport, you know, a browser-based fantasy league. Like, were you doing fantasy back in the days when, like, you're calculating everything by hand? What was that like? Uh, Yeah, I was. I've been playing fantasy sports since 1984. So before, well before personal computers, obviously well before mobile phones. I mean, we used to get our standings once a week by fax. <laughs> well, I think, like, some people would get it faxed. I did not have money to own a fax machine back then, so I would get it mailed to me. <laughs> so you'd be making moves, but it'd be like a week later. So, like, you'd get standings in the mail and be like, oh, wow. I mean, this is like my first fantasy league was a baseball league. So you'd get moves and be like, oh, wow, you know, I, I could really uh, use some more speed. Right, and if you try to make a trade or something like that, and then the next week you'd be like, "Oh, actually, I'm fine on speed." Like it was all like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was all like in slow time, and 
so it's it's certainly a much better experience these days. Did the commissioner actually go through and calculate for everybody after the yeah. games were over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once a week, That's we would wait until we would wait. We would you would basically you were allowed to do your lineups once a week, and we would wait for USA Today because I believe like every Tuesday was the American League and every Wednesday was the National League. They would print all the stats for all the players for the past week. And so you would literally you would have to wait until that came out. And once it came out, then, yes, our commissioner would do it all by hand. It seems like the commissioner's job should have been paid back then if you were doing that much work. Now it's just no question like... about it. He, he, uh, he definitely was uh, overworked and underpaid. <laughs> yeah, so did you ever get suckered into being the commissioner, or did you always manage to voice that on someone else? I never had to be the commissioner of that particular league. I have been the commissioner of many leagues, and it is one of the worst jobs because no one's ever happy. <laughs> Everyone complains. Uh, you're trying to organize a bunch of people. Like it's just, it's a completely thankless and horrible job. But it's a necessary one, and <laughs> exactly. the great ones, you know, and the great ones are are great for a reason. So I'm very lucky that the majority of the commissioners I have are very good. How many leagues? How many commissioners do you have right now? Because you're in a lot of leagues. Ten, maybe. <laughs> Does that does that ruin football for you or make it better? Because then you've got something riding on. You're pulling for or cheering against every player at every moment. Well, here's the thing. So what I root for, there are certain leagues I care about more than others. Right. And in any given week, there'll be, you know, I'll be like, I'm in first place in one league, but I'm in third in another, and I really need the, the third-place team to win to, to secure a buy or something like that, and the first-place team doesn't really matter. So there'll be specific teams that I root for, you know. You know and, and so it, it, what it does is it just basically narrows my rooting. Right. Um, so it's like, you know, I don't care if Lamar Miller goes off here because I'm, I'm, you know, I have him on the team that I want to win. I'm playing against him on the team that I don't care about. But more importantly, what I mostly do is I basically root for my picks. So if I sit here and say, um, making up a name here, right? But if I say, like, I think Derek Carr has a huge game this week. Right. Even if I'm playing against Derek Carr in three leagues, I want Derek Carr to go off. I would much rather lose those three games and be right about the call than the reverse. Yeah. So I, I end up what I end up when I'm watching football. What I default to is I root for the Redskins, which are my team, and I root for my picks basically to be right. And you do value the Redskins above sort of like your authority as an analyst. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm actually I'm probably harsher on the Redskins as an analyst than I am any other team because I'm I'm so used to disappointment overall <laughs> with the franchise in the last 20 years. Although I, things are looking up. When I mean, we have a real GM, we have a real. We have a lot of skilled players. Uh, I'm actually cautiously optimistic about this year and the future of the team. So, but no, no, no. And I'm, but I'm very public about me being a fan of the team because I want everyone to know that. I don't want everyone to think like you. You know, you can decide whether you agree with me or not. Like I'm bullish on a lot of the Redskins players this year because of sort of where they're going in draft. I think I think Kirk Cousins has a big year this year, and I think he's being undervalued. Uh, but I want everyone to know, hey, I am a Redskins fan. So take that, you know, do with that what you will. Do you um just with all the all the stats and stuff that are available now? Do you, do you think that's good for fantasy? I mean, you've you've written about how even you can manip- manipulate those stats yeah. and make somebody sound good, make the same guy sound bad. Are we taking like the sort of the heart out of fantasy by overanalyzing everything and the numbers? I don't know if we're taking the heart out of it. I think we've certainly made fans smarter. But I will say that the the key now it used to be back in the day when when I was you know when you were faxing the standings in. It used to be that you were just trying to find information that usually the local paper, the Internet didn't exist back then, the, the local paper had news about your team and maybe some others, but it was hard to get news about 
teams, you know, nationwide. And so, so it was just trying to find out, like, oh, that guy's the second, the number two running back. I didn't realize that, you know. And right. somebody that lived across the country knew it because they were reading the beat reporters in the in the paper. But you you couldn't just go online and read about it, you know, read about the the Eagles' backup running back when you were living in San Francisco. However, now there's no shortage of information. So the the challenge now becomes not finding out information because there's a billion different ways to get it. It's sifting through that information and, and understanding what's baloney and what's real. Right. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone's committed this year. Everyone had a great <laughs> offseason. Everyone looks awesome, right? So, you know, every coach is super positive about this player or that player. So it's, 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 it's kind of sifting through all the noise to figure out what, uh, what's real and needs to be paid attention to and what does not. Yeah. Yeah. So you you had your own fantasy website, talented Mr. Roto, before you uh, went to ESPN. Has being at ESPN changed uh, the way you see some of those things? I mean, do you sort of get better intelligence now than you did when you were running a site yourself? And uh, you know, does like the the fact that you sort of have the resources of what I imagine is like a, a vast room of statistical analysis analysts that ESPN has. I mean, does that change things a lot for you? Sure. Like anything, it's a double edged sword. So the positives are yes, I have a lot more resources at my disposal, in addition to a, a research department. The fantasy department has a, a researcher dedicated uh, to it that helps out if we have a question um, and that can help us see some trends and that kind of stuff. And we have producers, and I mean, I have access to, I mean, listen, thanks to ESPN, I know Adam Schefter. You know, it sounds <laughs> dumb, but I mean, like, but honestly, like, you know, whether it's Schefter or Mort or John Clayton or any of our insiders, Adam Kaplan, I can, Edward, or I can, you know, if I hear something, I can be like, I kind of like DeAndre Washington. Can you text your, your Oakland contacts and let me know? Am I on the right path? The downside, if you will, of the double sword is like, you know, I work for a big company. Ultimately, I work for Disney. And so, you know, that, uh, that's, that's a different mindset, obviously, when you, when you work for Disney and you represent a company as big as ESPN, when you, as opposed to your own website when I have my own, you know, my own little blog that, that I represent only myself. I also have a lot more duties <laughs> at ESPN, right? I mean, like, I never, when I was running my own website, when I was running Talented Mr. Roto, I never had to worry about TV. Or if I did have to worry about TV, it would be, you know, once a week. You know, I would do one hit or, you know, one hit once a week or something like that. And, um, uh, you know, so certainly not every single day. Didn't have to do a podcast every day. You know, so you have much more demands on your time. And there's so many platforms here at ESPN that, uh, that eats up a lot of time. So it's, you know, I'm very happy, but it's, it's definitely different challenges. Yeah. Are there any holdouts at ESPN who don't play fantasy football? Yes. Yes, there are. Do you want to name any of them? I mean, Chris Berman has said, you know, Chris Berman has been public about the fact that he doesn't play. Uh, Neil Everett and Stan Verrett, who are, you know, two of our sports center anchors, they've been very public about that they don't play. You know, we did a whole thing on the, on the uh, fantasy football marathon with them. So can you explain a little bit about sort of your process as you put picks together? I was, you know, I was thinking about the fact that just the sort of the number of players and positions you have to keep track of uh, with football, it's, it just seems daunting. How many games a week do you watch? Like, do you try to do it live? Do you have a big catch-up day Monday after like, Sunday night? Yeah. How, do you, how do you? Yeah, so, I mean, I watch them all in real time. Um, and obviously, when they're all going on at the same time, you can't, you know, process every play. But I watch them all in real time, and then on Monday, that's you know, I have the game pass, I have the NFL game rewind, and so I go back and I watch what I miss. 
So Monday and Tuesday, honestly, it takes me two days to get through all the games. Do your is your I mean obviously it's your job so it's probably a little different than in my home but my wife is not too open to the idea of me watching more than one game a day. Mm-hmm. Is that ever an issue for you? It is not. Um, that's one of the best parts about my job, honey. I got to work. <laughs> honey, this is work, honey. I'm you know I'm sorry. I spend all day Sunday at ESPN because we get all the games here, so I don't go home and you know then you're you know if if you're home I have a bunch of kids and. Uh, you know, they're young and they're awesome, but, you know, they want attention, obviously, if you're there. So Sundays I, I stay in the office and I just I watch all the games. Um, I, I was actually wondering, uh, being at ESPN, do you feel like you watch the games in a different way than the guys who are um, doing analysis, you know, non-fantasy? Or they're just analyzing, you know, games or on sports center to talk about, you know, what happened on Sunday. Are you looking for different things than those guys? Sure, of course. Because they only care really about who wins and who loses and why. I don't care who wins and loses the games. I'm, I care about individual player performance. So, you know, um, for example, if the Steelers win and the Steelers are 6-0, and that's all they're talking about. The Steelers are 6-0. and um, Ben Rossberg is having an amazing year. But I might say, like, well, except for the fact that um, – you know, Sammy Coates has suddenly become, you know, emerged in a huge way, and Antonio Brown is actually not doing that much. And so that's, a, you know, he hasn't played like a number one wide receiver. What's going on there? Ben's spreading the ball around a lot more, you know, making stuff up here. <laughs> right? So I would be looking specifically at that. I don't care that the Steelers are 6-0. and I'm cared about why isn't Antonio Brown being like Antonio Brown. Whereas if the Steelers were 6-0, and no one's talking about that at all. No one cares, what Anto- you know, because right. they're winning. That's, the only, that's one of the problems that I see in fantasy is that you stop looking at the score and you're just looking at the players. It's sort of the opposite where it takes a little bit of the fun of being, the original fun of being a fan out of watching the game. Well, I, I suppose it does on some level. I mean, I'm a Redskins fan. I'm a big fantasy player and I'm a Redskins fan. And I root for the Redskins to win and I, I root for my fantasy players. And I don't think it's hard to have those things coincide. Red, Dallas, if I own Des Bryant. Cowboys are playing the Redskins. Des Bryant can have a very good game and still lose to the Redskins. Right, right. It just... You know, it just, again, makes what you're rooting for a little bit more narrow. You know, I want Des Bryant to have 100 yards, two touchdowns, and the Redskins to win this game 35-31. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what I want, right? Um, all shootouts uh, all the time. Yeah, exactly. So, but, but I always say, my answer to that is like, well, who's decide, who decided that, you know, there's only one way to enjoy sports? Like, right. Because there are tons of people that enjoy sports for a lot of a lot of reasons, right? I'm not a huge college football fan, but I watch every Texas A&M game because I grew up, I just don't have time to, to follow college football yeah. because of my job, but I watch every Texas A&M football game because my dad loves them. And so it gives me and my dad something to connect on every week. We always talk Aggie football. Um, and you know, so that's the reason why I like that specific team, right? I enjoy it because it brings me closer to my father. Um, you know, I know people that go to the games every week and they go because they love the tailgating and right. the social aspect, and they couldn't tell you three players on the field. <laughs> right. But they have a, you know, the, the, but if you were to ask them, and say, "Oh, we go to the football games every weekend, and we love it," yeah, because that's where their friends are, and they tell it's a whole social experience for you. And some people are diehard, you know, Giants fans for their entire life, and they'll root for the Giants. And some people are fantasy fans, and you know, some people gamble on sports and they enjoy that. And like, there's a variety of reasons why people engage and enjoy sports, and I don't think any way is righter, quote unquote. Than the other, yeah, I think so. That's that's one of my little soapbox. I assume that you get to meet 
uh, athletes every now and then. Do you ever do. hear their thoughts on, uh, you know, like I assume a lot of them play fantasy football too. Like, do you, do you get their take on people that root for them just for the sake of their fantasy team as opposed to the team or times where, you know, they're rooting for their friends on other teams, even if they hate the team? Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, so it's, it varies. Some people get it uh, and like fantasy because it brings more attention to players, players that wouldn't necessarily have, uh, you know, a, a lot of attention uh, before that, right? So, you know, the only reason anyone has heard of Gary Barnage is because of fantasy football. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, right? So, I mean, right. Rob Gronkowski is Rob Gronkowski and is a household name. But Kobe Fleener and, and Gary Barnage, uh, you know, and guys like that, Zach Ertz, the right. only people that know them are like diehard Eagles fans, you know, and fantasy players. Yeah, probably helps them get tables at restaurants. Fantasy's been good well, for them. Exactly. So, so most a lot of NFL players get it, but 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 I would say so some some like it and some you know some don't like it. Some have the same reaction of what you talked about. It's like ah, they should be rooting for my team to win. I don't care about your fantasy team or your fantasy points. But so it, it runs it runs the gamut. But certainly, uh, professional athletes much more tolerant of fantasy, and me. Than they were, uh, you know, five, even five, you know, seven years ago. Yeah. When you guys are doing the show on Sunday before games start, are all of you on your phones adjusting your lineups as new news comes in? Or do you set it, go in, sort of Ron Popeil, forget it, and just leave it no, at that? We're, we're, I mean, that's the beauty of technology, is the apps make it easy. Honestly, it's, I tend to do that last. So Sunday mornings, like on my phone, I'm going through Twitter, I'm getting information, I'm talking to, you know, Schefter or Stefania or anyone else and, you know, getting information, tweeting stuff out. Um, uh, I'm getting a lot of texts from friends about their lineups. My phones blow up uh, on Sunday morning. And then, like, usually at a, on a commercial break, like 1245, uh, you know, on a commercial break for Fantasy Football Now, I'll, you know, take out my phone and uh, enter a few uh, lineup changes if I need to. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, I mean, what what do you think might be the next, technological improvement for fantasy like the next innovation in, in apps obviously the espn app is is wonderful but is there anything that you would want to see in that that would make it better for everybody uh yes there's certainly a number of things that uh i think i think anything can be improved i think the app's really great um and um i think you know there's there's stuff that could be improved with every app not just espn's uh, i think espn's is pretty good i would say this we have a couple of ideas yeah I'll just leave it at that. No Idea. reason to tell our competition what we've got coming down the pike. But we have some really cool stuff coming down the pike. I'll just leave it. Nice. Oh, let me just leave it at that. Um, we thought we'd just end things up with some yep. uh, fantasy advice questions. Just yep. a quick little lightning round. Mm-hmm. Um, first one's a little more philosophical about keepers. Is it, is it smarter to use your keeper to lock in a stud, or do you want to try to get value for somebody you know, down the road if there's a misguided, misassigned ADP or something and you, you see good value there? Which is, which is a better option? thing is value, but understand value comes in all ways, shapes, and forms. If you, if you have, uh, you know, I'm making it up, so if, if you have a, um, let's say you have to keep Antonio Brown and lose a first-round pick, right? okay, but if you threw him back, your, your pick in the first round would be pick 10, keep right. Antonio Brown, because <laughs> right. he's going number one, you know what I mean? So there's value in keeping, getting him 10 spots after he would normally go. So I, you know, I don't. It's not always necessarily the guy that's quote unquote cheapest to keep. It's the guy that has the best value, and that value can uh, come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
Who starts more games this year, Arian Foster or Alshon? Alshon. Oh, that seems easy. Um, and then, so close though. I think it's close. close. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the over/under is on games that they that he starts? I would set them at eight. Okay. Um, in terms of Eli, a lot of people are pretty high on him this year, and I think including you. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any way to know if you're going to get good Eli or bad? Because sad Eli shows no. up the most random times. There's none. The only way that you can think is that, honestly, even bad Eli might be okay. Bad Eli is bad NFL Eli, but bad NFL Eli may still be okay for fantasy just because of the pace of play. Right. Um, they're so quick. They're, you know, I think only the Eagles ran, uh, ran more plays uh, since McAdoo. Has has come on over the last two years oh, yeah? on the offense, you know. So they're I know they're definitely top five in terms of pace of play. So they just they're going to play a lot of snaps. They're going to be very quick, hurry up offense, three step drops, quick hitting. So I think just volume for Eli will make up for some deficiencies if we get bad Eli. But I have to tell you something: Odell Mecca makes up for a lot of bad <laughs> Eli. That's that's true. Um, are there in in any of the mocks that you're doing or anything like that? Are there three guys that you keep finding on your teams? I think Frank Gore goes way too late. I like him a lot. No one ever drafts Zach Miller, the tight end in Chicago. I mm-hmm. would like him. And Tom Brady lasts forever, and I love Brady this year because I think Brady comes back in week five and just crushes the league. And I think there's a number of quarterbacks that you can get outside the top ten. Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Stafford, uh, Joe Flacco, the first four that come to my mind in terms of good quarterbacks that have really good schedules over the first four games that you can pair up with Brady. Right. So I think Brady plus... I think Brady plus a replacement-level quarterback for four games is easily a top-five fantasy quarterback combined, and it's not going to cost you that price on draft day. Right, right. Um, this one, a little more popular mechanics bent to it. Jordy Nelson, the handiest man in football. Okay. <laughs> just, just agreeing? I don't know any other handy sure. guys in football. That's the best I could find. Sure. I'm um, on board with it. You bet. Excellent. Uh, and then last one, keeper league between Julio and Todd Gurley. Who do you keep? How long can you keep him? Uh, it's just a one-year redraft. Just this year, give me, give me Julio. Uh, it, you know, because again, like if you were draft, like so something like that, I just like all right. Well, if I was dra- if everyone was thrown back, who would go first? Julio would go first. Right, right. Okay. Don't think you can screw that one up. Both are phenomenal <laughs> players, but, but Julio, Julio would be my choice. Excellent. Well, thanks for thanks for taking the time and talking to us. This has been really really great. We appreciate you doing it. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for asking. So that's our show. Higher World Works is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Jesse Wright Mendoza. We'd like to thank Sarah Bantley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And don't forget to check out our other show, The Most Useful Podcast Ever. If you want to read more about fantasy football, check out our website, popularmechanics.com podcasts. And while you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital editions of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 for one year. I'm Kevin Dubsik. Thanks for listening.